This is Lampshade Media Presents Bimbos for Biden. Bill Arendale, welcome to Lampshade Media Presents Bimbos for Biden. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Great, great. Feeling good about the, the the new brand launch. I feel like I got a good thing to run with here. You know, life is life is good. Nice. Good for you. Yeah, man. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did have uh, my damn back go out this week. So I was out of work. It's man, it sucks having a bad back. It runs in my family. How old are you, how old are you now? Thirty nine. I'm about to be about to be forty, but yeah. Uh, well, and as someone who's fifty, I can only tell you that it gets worse, <laughs> and it it will never get better. Yeah, you're uh, you're giving me all this hope. I appreciate that. <laughs> this is what comedians do. This is exactly what we do. right. We snatch away the hope at the last second. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I've been laid up and, uh, which has been, uh, you know, it's one of those things you're laid up. So I watched, uh, Invincible mostly on my belly. So my back didn't hurt. (laughs) I, uh, I literally just started watching Invincible last night. I watched the first episode. Oh, no kidding. And when the credits first came up, I'm like, this is good. I'll keep watching it. And then I go to tap the screen. There's like eight more minutes. I'm like, all right, what happens now? And God damn, that got violent real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was it was brutal, and I loved every second of it. Yeah, and the animation is kind of weird because it's like it reminds me of like the late '80s, '90s animation. I was thinking that was very Saturday morning X Men yeah. cartoon kind of quality. Yeah, not that for there's sure. anything wrong with it. I mean, it's great. And nothing wrong with it. Yeah, as long as the writing's good, uh, that that's really all I care about. Yeah, but I, I I mean I feel like that was a choice, and I think it was like an interesting one, you know. Yeah, definitely. It's a uh, it's a good aesthetic because it doesn't pair with the, the level violence. of violence yeah. that you see in it. Yeah, exactly. Because when that like when that violence comes on, it's just like, oh, oh no. Yeah. Saturday morning wouldn't allow that. I was yeah, I was surprised. I mean, uh, I I watched the boys probably six months ago. Yeah. And that that went right into it, like right off the bat, yeah. right into the to the violence. And uh, again, another great show. That's not what you think it's going to be at first. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, for someone who's a nerd, if you're into that kind of thing, there's never been a better time to be alive than right now because of all the superhero movies and you know and cartoons and live action shows. It's it's really fascinating. Yeah, it's it's so wild and and like look at how many we're seeing that are literally just uh, kind of treatments on the superhero trope. You know, like so many like two of the shows we just discussed were literally just jokes about the superhero roles right the yeah, boys sort of, uh, and uh invincible and uh oh shoot I'm th- there's a couple more out there uh doom patrol is another one doom patrol but yeah. not as not as distinctly as the boys and them uh, i'd say watchmen is sort of in that vein oh although, for sure um, yeah. but yeah it's uh it's not like you know like if it were you know lois and clark kind of Gears and everything swell at the end of every episode. It would be boring. It would be terrible. But this isn't like that, so I love it. Yeah. No, it's it's fabulous. The boys was like, I'm glad that they toned it down from the comic book. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it was just like, it was brutal. It's but, funny that you say that because, you know, after I had watched it, I went through, uh, 
Uh, I guess it's like the boys Wikipedia thing. I read about all the different story arcs and everything. And God damn, that's way worse than the actual show, the, the yeah. comic book. Which, I mean, when you're, you're, you're coming up with something like that in a comic book, um, you know, there's no budget to worry about, you know, as far as special effects or anything goes. You yeah. can make anything happen on the page. Um, but yeah, they they went full bore. But I think it's it's probably made it better by doing it the way they're doing it on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, what's the one on the other one on Amazon uh that was made by that rock and roll guy? Umbrella Academy? Yes, yes, yes. Which yes. I think is on Netflix or it's on one of the two. Whatever it's on, it's fantastic. It's just it's another in the one same of those. Vein. Yeah, it's it, it's very much in the vein of Doom Patrol and uh a little bit of in- Invincibles. Uh it's uh you know, it's got its own cool universe that they've made for it, you know, and that's mm-hmm. it's just it's it's a fun show. I used to, I mean, I used to watch uh, the X Men cartoon all the time, but after a while, it's like I can only watch Wolverine slice through inanimate objects so many times. Yeah, and there were always robots. Like he never had to right. cut up anything that was made out of flesh. That's which is convenient, I guess, for a children's show. That's that's why I loved it in um, <laughs> in the newer X Men movies, uh, and, and even in Logan. I mean, just bloody as hell. Yeah, which it should be because I mean it's more realistic. Yeah, um, Logan especially Logan, okay. which is. I mean, it's one of the best superhero movies of all time. For um, sure. But I'm definitely more of a, I guess when it comes to that kind of thing, uh, a Marvel fan over DC. Yeah. I don't dislike DC. I just don't like it as much. Um, and you know, I think the only character I ever really got into in DC was Green Lantern, which uh, I'm looking forward to the, I guess they're developing a show for HBO Max maybe oh, on the Green good. Lantern Corps, which sounds like it'll be really cool. Yeah. I'd be surprised if it wasn't on Disney Plus, but it could be because I know that Warner Brothers has that HBO yeah, connection. Did I say HBO Max or did I say Disney? You said HBO. Okay, yeah, yeah, HBO. I too am into Marvel uh, more than DC, but I do love Batman mm-hmm. and I love like the noir detective kind of jam and like that kind of thing has always been kind of kind of cool. Uh, but it's just kind of funny. I never realized how close Batman and Spider Man were. Like, there's a lot of similarities, and this is only because I've played all those Arkham games, and now I'm playing the Spider-Man games, and it's like the same game, and it's <laughs> it's like making me think, look, like, Black Cat is a is a thief? Yeah. You know, a kind of a anti-hero thief? Right. Oh, really? You know, Catwoman, Black Cat, like, you know, and gadget making? Yeah. You know, super genius people, mm-hmm. um, all of that. Obviously, Spider-Man's, like, just way cooler. I like the, uh, I mean, I've seen all the Batman movies, but like when it comes down to the Nolan trilogy, I saw the first one once, I saw the third one once, and the second one probably a hundred times. Because in my opinion, that's the best supervillain movie, is Dark Knight, without yeah. a doubt. I mean, I, I love Christian Bale, and I, I love I love Christopher Nolan. They both do an incredible job oh, yeah. in the movie, but the whole time I'm just waiting for Heath Ledger to come back on screen. He made he made it feel like such an absurd character. He made it feel so real and so like impactful, <laughs> you know. You know, it's funny when you when you get to um when you get used to the way a certain person plays a character. Uh, and you think, "Well, no one else can do it better than this guy." And I thought that way uh with Heath Ledger cuz I'm like, "Come on, the guy from 10 Things I Hate About You?" He's taken on the role that Nicholson had. There's just no way. Yeah. And and he was just fantastic in it. It's the same uh, with Magneto. Ian McKellen, dude's top notch. Yeah. But Michael Fassbender, wow. Yeah, man. He really had the the brass for it, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, 
first class originally was just supposed to be a Magneto origin story, the whole movie. And I guess they folded it into uh, New Class, which is great. You know, it's still going to be yeah. a great movie. I would love to have the standalone. Uh, Magneto is definitely one of my favorite villains. Yeah, yeah. He's one of these that you can kind of like, kind of like, oh, yeah, I see, I see the point. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I I love that uh, that nuance of um, there's no black and white as far as good and evil, and that yeah. you know he's absolutely convinced that what he's doing is for the best and he's for the right reasons, and especially when you consider that concentration camp upbringing, you know, and he lost his family. Yep. It, it's one of the most complex characters I, I think in comic books. Yeah, and I feel like that's where storytelling is is the most. Uh interesting for me is when there's actually you have to think about why something's right or wrong right yeah well i mean you it's impossible to have a good superhero story if you don't have a great villain the villain makes the hero uh i mean the hero is the straight man it's just like any comedy duo you know avant and costello laurel and hardy you have uh, to have that straight man and then the other one is the one that everyone really falls in love with yeah because they're so out you're so out of the box yeah they call me Mr. Glass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, oh, God. That's another... Uh, you know, when I saw Split in the theater, I mean, I loved it. And then when I saw that thing at the end, I was like, no fucking way, because I loved Unbreakable. Yeah. Uh, and and Glass was good. I got frustrated at the end, because I'm like, can't David just do a sit-up and get out of that puddle i mean it's not yeah it's not a pool it's just it's like six inches of water yeah but all you need is a teaspoon bill haven't you heard yeah yeah that's, <laughs> that's right a teaspoon <laughs> and james mcavoy is just incredible and of course who's better than samuel L. jackson i mean uh nobody <laughs> he, could, he could do anything and just make it seem cool i mean even just when it comes to cussing it's ridiculous the man's an artist <laughs> i just i had i definitely like loved playing with uh, one of his soundboards you know just oh yeah stringing together motherfuck this and mm -hmm. motherfuck that <laughs> yeah without a doubt <laughs> fantastic man samuel jackson made me think of tarantino and his new movie the once upon a time in hollywood i haven't seen it yet uh is is it worth worrying about <laughs> all right so it's good it's it's like with, with many Tarantino movies, there's that just slow build, and then the last forty five minutes, everything just comes together. Yeah, uh, Brad Pitt's great, uh, DiCaprio's great. It's a good movie. It's not one that ten years from now I'm going to be scrolling through the channels like, oh, once a time, upon a time yeah, in Hollywood's I gotta on. See that again. But if uh, Inglorious Bastards is on ever throughout the the rest of my life, I will stop what I'm doing yeah. and I will watch that movie. And I think of his movies, that might be my favorite one. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just it's just incredible. It's just incredible. And again, you've got an iconic villain. Uh, he's just incredible. Christoph Waltz is like doing like all these like interesting characters, and they're mm -hmm. all kind of like, yeah, his, his kind of reminds me of Anthony Hopkins that, a little bit in, in the character, I guess. That level of intensity, that, that dead stare. Just like with, I mean, Javier Bardem in yeah. No Country for Old Men, that, that's like in Jaws when Quint describes the shark, when it bites into you and his eyes roll back and he's got dead eyes. That's what I think of as Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men. Yeah. It's just, it gives you the chills to watch it. Christoph Waltz, just as intense. Same yeah. with Anthony Hopkins. I mean, if, I, you know, I'd have to say 
what got me to watch Breaking Bad, I think, the first time was when I saw that story about Anthony Hopkins binged it and wrote like a six-page letter to um, oh, to no, Brian Cranston really? about about how great the show was, how much he loved his acting and the writing, and uh, and Breaking <laughs> Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul again. I could, I could talk about it all day. It's just we might, yeah, we might have to uh, save that for the next session because uh, those are just the most fabulous, right? Like, yeah, I still like, I, I okay, I still kind of think that Watchmen. The TV, the mm -hmm. HBO series might be the best TV show, in my opinion, ever. Mm -hmm. I, I can, I mean, I could definitely see that. It's a great show. Uh, and it definitely had the potential to go on more than just one season. Uh, and then, you know, the guy who who uh, was a show owner said, no, we're just going to do one yeah. and it's good. And, and that's good. It's a self-contained tale, just like the movie yeah. was. And I love it. It's just, it's great. I, I think what was great with... Uh, Breaking Bad and and by extension Better Call Saul, is that you have a network who's giving a guy full control. Yep. To make his universe, there's not constant notes from the studio about don't do this, do more of that. Uh, yeah. And then that's and that's the end result. Not that it couldn't happen with with everyone, but it could happen more. Yeah. If they followed that format. I yeah I, I listened to some TV review podcasts and I was like really into Walking Dead for a minute and like. I kind of agree with them. It's uh, the guys at Bald Move, uh, Aaron saying, uh, "I weep for what this show could have been." <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, the AMC just had to stick their big fucking dirty boot in there, yeah, and just get it all messy. Yeah, I wonder if if um, Frank Darabont had stuck around after the yeah. first season. I wonder how, how it would have gone. And I liked that show for quite a long time. And I, and I liked it. It's just after a while, the zombies fading in the background. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I liked that to an extent mm -hmm. because I kind of wanted it to be about the humans that are left and the zombies to be wallpaper. And, and, and you know, um, with Fear of the Walking Dead, and I think I only got two or three seasons into that, but I was upset that the first season wasn't really showing the collapse of society. That's what I really wanted to see. Yeah. You know, um, you know, the, the president, uh, you know, on TV yeah. making announcements. And they even skipped over like a good, like two months in the beginning of that. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck is this? Sh I thought this show was supposed to be covering that time period. It would have been great too. They could have done a nice callback <laughs> by having, uh, yeah. Dr. Jenner from, uh, the CDC, you know, they could have had him, you know, doing yep. a press conference or something like that. For sure. Uh, but that first season of the walking dead is, uh, it's pristine. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, after that, it really starts depending on who the villain is. The governor's great. Negan's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, just watching him. Love, love, love. He just chews yeah. the scenery, you know? It's like when he's like, uh, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I mean, yeah. no he one can, can make say anything that cooler. sound cool. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally right, man. He absolutely just exudes that leather jacket, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I remember thinking, like, in the early seasons of Walking Dead, I'm like, why can't they kill Carl? Then every week someone, like, kills him again, and then he, you know, comes back, and they kill him again. <laughs> because every time something got fucked up on that show, it was Carl's fault. Tell Carl to stay in the house. Carl left the house. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, I hated that kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was always there. Was always a couple of people that were just constantly the troublemakers, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is a little annoying. It's like uh, Jack's daughter in Twenty Four, uh, yeah. who would always do the exact wrong thing. Yeah, it's like, oh wait, the door was wide open. <laughs> what the hell were you thinking? Yeah, <laughs> just walk out. Yeah. <laughs> 
But I got tired in The Walking Dead. I did get tired after a while of the constant, should we kill people? Mm-hmm. Is it okay? When should we kill people? And then like, and then they brought like Morgan back, and then we had to go through that whole thing all over again. And then every new character went through their own revelation every season about whether or not it was okay to kill anyone or how harsh. And it's like, hey, motherfucker, Shane had this figured out yeah. way back, way yeah. back. Yeah, and I and I love Shane. I thought he was great, but it, but then he went bonkers, and I you know I just didn't like him as much. But yeah, but he was right. Yeah, he was. <laughs> um, you know, Robert Cookman, who created The Walking Dead and also Invincible, uh, I really admire the fact that, uh, and I haven't read the comics at all, but I know at one point he just says, that's it, it's over. Yeah, he did And, and no one towel. knew about it, uh, and it just it just created huge backlash because people weren't ready for that story to be over. But I think it's great to, to yeah. kind of say, not in a, uh, I mean, I guess a fairly benevolent way, but to say, fuck you, I'm done, it's over. That's it. It's all you get. You're probably just as much into Star Wars as you are into Marvel, right? Is is your DC Plus ev- evenly divided there? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely very much into Star Wars. Not the books so much. I, I yeah. think I, I read a couple of the books. I just never got into them. But I love the shows. I love the movies. You know, when you were mentioning lightsabers, Christopher uh, Lee, who played Count Dooku, uh, had the uh, lightsaber hilt with the curved hilt on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because Christopher Lee is a is a, a real descendant of Charlemagne, oh, Charlemagne's wow. sword had a curved hilt on it, and that's why Christopher Lee had that on his lightsaber. Oh, that's dope! I, I, if you ever get a chance to look through uh, his backstory, Christopher Lee, the guy he was a Nazi hunter. He uh, what in Lord of the Rings when he gets stabbed by Wormtongue in the back? Yeah. Uh, Peter Jackson says, you know, let out this howl or shriek. And Christopher Lee actually said, do you know what it sounds like when a man is stabbed in the back? Because I do. And it's nothing like that. Oh, I my mean, God. Talk about <laughs> what balls on top of balls. <laughs> I mean, that, that guy was just badass. I mean, I mean, yeah. But I mean, like, we want it to sound like what we think it should sound like. We yeah. don't probably want it to sound like it really sounds. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. He was something. I mean, he had like a heavy metal album in like 2004 or something <laughs> like that. I mean, the guy was just fascinating. That is wild. He's he's like one of these characters uh, that like just like a character actor type. Mm-hmm just takes on these personalities. Like, I don't know. Like, you just like, he seems a bit old to be a metalhead. I'm sure that metalheads right. age. Right. You know, it's like in um, Attack of the Clones when they have the, the big duel at the end with Yoda. Everyone's like, oh, my God, look what they're doing with, with Yoda. I'm like, no, forget Yoda. Look what they're doing with Christopher Lee. He's yeah. the one who's flipping around. Yeah. You know, he's got that gnarled up knuckles and everything. That that was the real special effects. But, yeah. uh, I mean, Christopher Lee, he's just, he's iconic. Do you think that Star Wars is going to last forever now? Is it just an evolutionary like thing where it's just going to continue on a path? It could. I mean, it, it, it's definitely the, the mythology is there that you could go on further and further. You can go back and forth any, you know, in time to whether it's the, you know, the High Republic yeah. or into the future. Um, I think so. I mean, I think you could always do something with that universe no matter what. Yeah. I think there is a danger of doing too much at once. Yeah, yeah, you got to you know, parse it out a little bit. Yeah. You don't like, want to get too uh, much. With Star Trek. Love Star Trek. 
But I remember when Star Trek Nemesis came out, at the time you had Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and I think Enterprise on TV. And then a Star Trek movie came out, and it just fell flat. And that was the last one they did before the reboot with Christopher Pine. So there was definitely like an oversaturation yeah. at that point in time. Uh, if they don't do that with Star Wars, they definitely, I think there's there's no limit to how long it can go. This universe is so absurdly rich and deep, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's got its it's just got its own heartbeat at this point. And the interesting thing, it's almost by accident. Yeah, you know, if it wasn't for Lucas ripping off Akira Kurosawa movies, yeah, it never would have happened. You know, I, I remember watching some sort of a documentary on maybe it's the History Channel. It was about uh, the mythology of Star Wars and how uh, Anakin, they made a lot of correlations between that and, um, um, oh, oh, Dante, Dante's Inferno, uh, you know, about the fall of Anakin Skywalker. I'm like, this is awesome. There's no way George Lucas was thinking of that when he wrote it, but it's awesome that someone made that correlation. (laughs) But but yeah, really, I, I, I don't know that he really intended for it in the beginning to be this complex. It seems like my impression of Lucas is that he's like kind of reached beyond himself a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and, and got lucky and then has been like struggling for it ever since. You know, I think he really hit the right technological point where he could pull off the things that were just campy enough to mm-hmm. be fun, but like somewhat realistic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's the uh, exact same thing with The Matrix. First movie, one of a kind. Yeah, I then like, oh, uh, yeah, we can do two more, sure, and and it just, it just didn't compare. Oh yeah, no. Uh, although I love uh, the character of the architect, I could watch that scene over and over again. Yeah. But the rest of it, I'm just kind of eh. And with Star Wars, like, even if people didn't like the prequels and they didn't like the sequels, you know, and if the only movie they ever truly loved was uh, Empire, mm-hmm. you know, like that universe would is just gonna keep going and going. There are stories and stories and stories. We got the Mandalorian. We had. Cara Dune until she like fucking got her ass canceled and fucking uh, uh, Boba Fett, yeah, you know, is going to be doing his thing in Jabba's palace. And those are just like three different stories. We've got stories possibly about some random ass kid that has force, you know, power right. somewhere randomly in the fucking universe, you know, yeah, and that kid with the broom. At, exactly. You know, That's what I was thinking yeah. of. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the, uh, the Mandalorian because when it came to Star Wars, I used to think. You know, if the force isn't in this or lightsabers, it's just dirty Star Trek and a poorly written, <laughs> a poorly written one at that. But then I watched The Mandalorian. I'm like, it's no longer the case because yeah, it was it was so good. And you can tell. I mean, Favreau is somebody who really loves the material and respects the material, and he just did his thing. Had a lot of different directors in there. Yeah, um, it's just fantastic. I mean, I love it. And I was never a Boba Fett fan until the last season of The Mandalorian. Now I can't wait to watch The Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. Boba Fett's such a weird character because, like, in the he's he's supposed to be this big badass, but, like, a blind fucking wobbling Harrison Ford, like, knocks him into the fucking uh, Sarlacc right. pit. It's like, what the fuck is this? This is the biggest badass in the galaxy? Yeah, exactly. Is what I'm told? Yeah, and it, apparently he found the only snack machine on Tatooine when you see him in, in the Mandalorian, I'm like, hey, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear some stories about weird shit though in the Star Wars universe. You? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't, I don't need a Disney Plus series on that guy with no shirt who cried when the Rancor died and turned a Jedi. 
<laughs> I want to see like a day in his life. Yeah, I, I am not sure his story <laughs> needs to be told, but yeah, there are definitely. I actually have uh, I have this contact the the long forgotten brother of Anakin Skywalker. Oh yeah, yeah, I got him on on. I can get him on the phone here if you want to hear about this. It's like yeah, I don't absolutely. think anybody knows this story. I, I've never heard it. No, but yeah, he's he definitely is trying to get get it out there. Nice. Let's let's give him a call. Hello, hello. This is uh, Lampshade Media presents Bimbos for Biden with Bill Arendale today. The Mel Milliman, your host. Uh, who may I ask is this? Yeah, this is uh, Briggs Skywalker. I was hoping it was you. I was expecting a call from you. Yeah, uh, th- thanks for for letting me call in. We don't really have podcasts uh, where I'm at in this stretch of the galaxy. You'd think we would have by now, but they're still not here yet. Uh, but I just wanted to. I know the empire's fallen and all that stuff. I wanted to kind of reach out. I want to get my story out there because because people know about Anakin and Luke and Leia and kylo ren and all them nobody knows about briggs skywalker yeah bill have you heard of briggs uh yeah isn't that the guy that owen lars beats up so actually i never got to meet owen because i got my ass left on tattooing so i'm anakin's brother anakin skywalker's brother everybody knows about anakin everybody loves anakin Nobody gives a shit about Briggs. I've never heard of Briggs. So, like, you guys, are you kind of like that, like, forgotten brother of uh, Jesus or something? I mean, it's kind of in that same vein, although Anakin's certainly no Jesus. I wouldn't. Jesus. <laughs> God. Like, he needs his ego inflated any more than it already was. Ooh, this is the highest midi chlorian count I've ever seen. Shut the fuck up. My midi chlorian count doubled what Anakin's was. <laughs> but because I didn't have a stupid pod racer, Qui-Gon didn't give a shit about me. If um, So would you say that you're better uh, with kids than Anakin is? Well, I never murdered any, if that's what you mean. So I, <laughs> I think that's a safe assumption. Yeah, man. That's, uh, yeah, that's a dark comparison. So, I mean, here's the thing. Like, we all know the story. Like, Qui-Gon comes to Tatooine, bets on a stupid pod race, takes my brother, not my mom and me, takes Anakin and leaves us to our fate as slaves. And then, of course, everybody knows that later on we get kidnapped by Tusken Raiders and Anakin comes, kills him, saves our mother, saves Shmi, leaves my ass alone in the camp with nothing for company but a bunch of dead Tusken Raiders. And I'm there for two weeks until a Jawa Sandcrawler comes through, frees me, and then immediately sells me into the sex trade. Ah. Don't love that. Hey, not a look, fan. I wasn't crazy about it either, but eventually I earned enough to buy my freedom, and now I'm living large uh, as a junker on Ord Mantell, the trash moon, uh, which is a great gig if you love being around garbage all day uh, and having to hide because bounty hunters love fighting there for some reason. So uh, since you're rescued, do you, uh, do you go to a lot of the anti-Tuscan Raider protests with Cara Dune? The, here's the thing. Tuscan Raiders are good people. Our kidnapping was a misunderstanding. Uh, the Tuscan Raiders actually saved us from uh, a, a, a pack of criminals who were trying to sell us into slavery after we'd gotten out, of, out from under Watto's thumb. I love Tuscan Raiders. I think they're wonderful, fascinating people. Uh, you want to talk about anti-Tuscan Raiders stuff. Anakin says he hates sand. 
Anakin hates sand people because he's a fucking racist. <laughs> oh. So you are pro sand. Yes, I love sand. It's great. So, yeah, sure. Sometimes it gets in your shoes and it gets everywhere and it's rough and it's coarse, but I'm not going to let it wreck my fucking day like my crybaby brother. So you got the you've got the higher midichlorian count. You've got like all of the stats comparable, but it's just this pod racer thing. Is that like 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 the the kid with the cool car in high school situation? Pretty much. And what Anakin won't tell you is I built that fucking pod racer. He was just the better driver. They wouldn't let me pod race because my vision is not perfect. I have to wear corrective lenses. Oh. And it, it's like the same thing when they won't let you into the Air Force if you can't, like, if you don't have perfect hearing or perfect vision. Yeah, I mean, I guess that clocks, you know. Like, that's it's not fair. It's not fair. You could always fall back on moisture farming. You know, it, God, moisture farming, especially this last year. Nobody wants moisture right now. Like, it, it, I can't give this stuff away. If you're, I'm, I'm curious about your family, uh, your family situation, because like, <laughs> what family? My mom's dead. Yeah. Uh, my brother's dead. Thank God. Uh, and we don't have a father because we're miracle children. Which that's stupid. That's asinine. Of course we have a father. We just don't know where he is. Wow. Like I've long presumed that Watto or Sabalba might have been our fathers but we came out fully human so like i don't know maybe the punnett square didn't work right on that but like that's that's kind of what i've narrowed it down to after hiring a couple of private investigators like <laughs> our father might be human but he's probably not so what is your uh midichlorian count oh my midichlorian count uh is 69,420 <laughs> Super high midichlorian. Count. That is so high. <laughs> <laughs> the highest. What are you what are you up to these days, like when you're not picking trash out of that thing? Uh I mean, I I've been trying to uh get a jizz band started. Um, but I mean figuring Dan and the modal nodes kind of got the market cornered on that. Like you really only need the one band that plays jizz music. So, I mean, I'm trying to crack into that market, but it's hard. It's tough. You know, kind of like the way the rat pack had like crooning in the lounge acts cornered. I would imagine it's also difficult to get a gig at Jabba's palace when you've only got the one guy there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, what's his ass is major domo is the only guy left since Luke Skywalker and his friends killed everyone else there. So, like, yeah, thanks a lot for knocking out my, uh, what could have potentially been a just a clutch recurring gig. So your nephew is an ungrateful shit as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they're they all, yeah, they're all trash. Luke's a fucking whiny punk. But don't you Leia's... have a new niece, though? Uh, I mean, uh, I hear of a, a Ray Skywalker. Look. Man, here, here's the thing with Ray. Like, the, Palpatine ain't her granddaddy. That's fucking horseshit. She got Skywalker blood in her. Like, you're, you're saying the Emperor can't I mean, hit it. No, man. Like, look at his face. Can you imagine his generals are any better off? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to lay it out in terms of. I don't know. You might shoot lightning Emperor out of it. Palpatine is a virgin who can't drive. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that old clocks. Have you been to uh, Tatooine since the Mandalorian took over at Jabba's? I, I've been through there a few times, man. It's 
that it it's so dead. Like there, there's just nothing going on there anymore. Like I mean, what Boba Fett's just gonna sit there and chill? Like I mean, he spent decades inside like a a desert teeth vagina monster thing. Like he's just gonna take it easy, I imagine. So like, I got no reason to go back. Like that whole planet's dead. So new like, management, same shithole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. That's just how it is. That I mean. There's a reason that I eventually got out of Tatooine. And granted, I live on a literal junk planet, but it's still better than fucking Tatooine. Like, ooh, we got two suns. Oh, cool. It's twice as hot all the time. No, thank you. So Anakin used uh, his midichlorians and, you know, Luke and Leia used midichlorians. Uh, but it sounds like you're like kind of picking a simpler life with the access to that. Well, I mean, almost pretty much all the Jedi are dead. Who the fuck's gonna teach me how to be a Jedi now? Yeah, but uh, like, what about the just the the rogue Jedi users out there, or you know, the rogue yeah. Force users? I mean, there's there's Ray, and I mean, depending on what you count as canon or not, like maybe two or three others. Like what? I'm I'm supposed to trust somebody that like didn't even get a movie? No, thank you. <laughs> didn't get a movie yet there there's there's a lot of content to be mined your story could be told soon on disney plus i mean it could but like they got it like man stupid ass salacious crumb is already in talks to get a fucking series like they're never gonna get around to me like i i couldn't even rate like a cameo appearance like like fucking greedo got a brief little scene uh in my brother's story but me the brother of the man who would become Darth Vader doesn't rate. Fuck out of here, George Lucas. <laughs> yeah, your story is going to be like the Gnostic Gospels of Star Wars lore. Yeah, I mean, and at this point, like, I don't even want to be associated with my shitty ass brother. I just, here's the thing I want everyone to know that, like, just because my brother got mad at his boss and threw him into a fucking reactor core, it doesn't make up for the fact that he slaughtered millions and wiped an entire planet out in the blink of an eye. Like, he's still a genocidal piece of shit. Like, oh, what? Because in his dying breath, like, he looked at my nephew with his own eyes. Like, he gets to go to Jedi heaven or whatever and hang out with Obi-Wan, <laughs> who he straight up murdered, and Yoda, who died training my nephew to beat my shitty-ass brother? That's horseshit. It's a complicated family story. It's not complicated. My brother sucked. He got asked to be a Jedi. Uh, and then some old man who I think was grooming him. I don't think that Palpatine fucked him because, again, virgin. But I think he was trying to. And then what? He 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 doesn't. He tells him about this dude, Darth Plagueis, then never tells the story of Darth Plagueis the wise. And then, like, my brother's just like, I guess I'm evil now. What a bitch. I, I too have some some family you know uh, complications, but I don't think I don't think it's anything compared to yours. My brother ruined my life, and there's a lot of people that play devil's advocate on my brother's behalf that are all like, "Oh, well, you know, he did bring balance to the force because he eliminated the Jedi." You think if thirty or forty Jedi knew that bringing balance to the force was going to be interpreted as, "Yeah, this kid's going to murder all of us." that Yoda wouldn't have drowned his ass in a fucking bathtub right when he saw it? <laughs> well, <laughs> I feel like there is some, like, some, some 
something to a, a a theory I recently heard that that basically everything that bad that's ever happened in this in the Star Wars universe is because of Yoda. I mean, look, no disrespect to Yoda, but fuck Yoda, man. He he fucking blew it all over the place. He fucking let my brother get trained to become a murderer. They completely somehow managed to miss that the Sith were under their nose literally the whole goddamn time. Yeah. Uh, he failed to defeat Count Dooku. He failed to defeat Palpatine. And then instead of immediately going back for a rematch, he was just like, I guess I'm just going to fuck off to a swamp and let the Galactic Empire take shape and run the galaxy and run rampant for years before I finally make some kid come to me for training and then I leave it all on him while I chill in my hut. Yeah, it's like thanks, but no thanks, Yoda. Well, nobody gives up like he does. <laughs> you know, it's it's like uh, when he and the ghost of Obi Wan say only a fully trained Jedi with the forces as ally can defeat Vader the Emperor. And Luke doesn't go, well, you guys couldn't do it, taking him on one at a time. But yeah, the new guy can do it, sure. Yoda's not evil. He's just got shitty judgment. I guess I can uh, I can sympathize with him there. Briggs, uh, thank you so much for calling in and sharing a little bit of your story. I hope to see that uh, Disney Plus uh, Gnostic Gospel about uh, the, the hidden brother of Anakin. Yeah, I mean, man, I'm I'm calling Dave Filoni every day trying to get him to tell my story, but <laughs> he just keeps it. He's like, oh, we got all these other shows in development, so I don't know, man. I'll I'll get to you when I get to you. So, all right. Well, thanks again. Uh, thanks again, Briggs. You have a wonderful day out there. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, I mean, may the force be with you, like if you want to. But if not, you know, that's <laughs> fine too. Just and also yeah. with or whatever you. you want. Right. Hell yeah. <laughs> Later. Later. Briggs Skywalker, everyone. Briggs Skywalker. That was interesting. Yes. Uh, you know, a lot of stories. Yeah. Lots and lots of stories. Uh, you listen to many podcasts? Uh, I do. When the lockdown started, you know, a little over a year ago, I, I had never actually watched The Office ever. Sometimes if something seems really popular, I, I for whatever reason, I, I pull away from it. Like, I don't want to... Uh, you don't want to bandwagon something? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I started watching The Office when the lockdown started, and goddamn, I probably watched the whole series, I don't know, 10 times probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, so there's a, oh, I, wow. I do listen to a podcast on that. And so I, I haven't listened to a lot of podcasts as of late, except Lampshade Media Presents. <laughs> Bimbo's for Biden. A couple of <laughs> a couple of other smaller ones, but no, that's uh, that's it really for now. Man, I am I, I'm still like kind of a, just addicted to the stories, you know. Mm -hmm. I love I love a good story, and I think that's like kind of like what we were talking about earlier is just like I feel like there's just something like super human about having like that kind of uh, messaging, right? We tell a story and it's mm -hmm. got to have like a point and there's got to be something about growing and becoming better. And Mark Maron's WTF, I've listened to many times. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. The best one I've ever heard uh, was with Mel Brooks. Oh. It was a two-hour-long podcast and I, I I don't know, I probably listened to it 20 times over the years. It's because I love Mel Brooks to begin with and it's followed by Carl Reiner, 
Oh, wow. What a, and, what a great like lineup. Oh, yeah. Well, here's what's great is that um, at the end of the Mel Brook episode, Mel tells him, he goes, I, I'm setting you up with Carl. You're going to see him in a, you know, a couple of weeks. Mark asks how Carl's doing. He goes, he's about 80%. So Mark goes, and he, a couple of weeks later, he interviews Carl, and they're talking afterwards, and they're watching. He's showing him something on TV, and the phone rings, and it's Mel Brooks. He's like, here, he wants to speak to you, and he hands it to Mark. As soon as Mark puts the phone up to his ear and says hello, and he goes, what I say, 80%, right? <laughs> and he's like, wow, I can't believe you set me up for a callback like a month later. <laughs> That is so funny. Yeah. Uh, and that is like such a like commitment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and the guy is, uh, I mean, when you really talk about people who were, if there was a Mount Rushmore of comedy, I mean, Mel Brooks definitely would be on it. I mean, I can't tell yeah. you how many people, if you even say Blazing Saddles or Young Frankenstein, like everyone's like, oh, my God, I love yeah. that movie. Yeah. And also, like, I grew up in the 80s, and obviously it was a different time. Mm-hmm. That movie, you know, has some like it deals specifically with race issues, but it seems like it was ahead of its time in in uh, its take on that, right? Yeah, definitely. It was uh, making fun of racism in a very, uh, you know, a very upfronted way. Yeah, yeah, and and not just uh, well, I mean, racism definitely, but really against everyone, you know, whether you're some corn-fed white boy or. Whoever, I mean, but there's jokes in there about uh, about Jewish people, uh, Native Americans, yeah, blacks, and they're not like it's not like a hateful kind of no joke or anything. I mean, Richard Pryor was one of the writers on yeah. Blazing Saddles, yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. Obviously, you couldn't do the the movie today. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, obviously, you wouldn't. There's like like they use the N word repeatedly in that movie uh, mm-hmm. uh, as a joke. And the way that they use it, I think, is is pretty progressive for the time. Like, yeah. the points they were making were all very progressive, I think. Yeah. Uh, today, that just wouldn't fly because we're over that word, you know? And, like... <laughs> and, unless you're Tarantino, who, you know, there's I, always, like, an N-word count on every movie. Dude, I don't... I just don't understand him with his uh, with his use of the N-word. Like, does he think he's cool or something? Yeah, I don't, I don't get that either, because uh, he really seems dead set on using it. And using it himself in Pulp Fiction was that's the, I hate that scene so much. Yeah, he's like, it'd be cute if he wasn't like also like, just being so uncomfortably like, I'm. I guess that's the affectation he's going for is being an impotent, uh, hard ass, right? <laughs> like trying to pretend like he's such a hard ass, like tough by association, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the guy's a, a great filmmaker. Uh, but yeah, he's not exactly a good actor, but he seems to write that in there for himself. Yeah. Yeah. But that messaging, though, with Mel Brooks is, like, interesting. And, man, I loved watching that shit when I was a kid. Like, the <laughs> Robin Hood Men in Tights was one oh, of yeah. my favorites as a kid. Spaceballs. Spaceballs is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Having Carrie Hughes is... Uh, is Robin Hood. All the jabs they were taking at Kevin Costner's Robin Hood, you know, unlike him, I can speak in an English accent. Prince Prince of Thieves, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, uh, even the guy who they had playing the Sheriff of Nottingham was a, a knock on Alan Rickman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they shall be named John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so ridiculous. It's just so absurd, you know. 
But was that the was that your kind of sense of humor throughout your? I mean, I definitely. I mean, uh, well, not, not racist, <laughs> if that's what you mean. But no, 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 that kind of absurdist humor that yeah. Mel Brooks uses. Yeah, we did talk about how he dealt with racism. I don't think he had racist comedy. Yeah, I wasn't saying that at all. Oh, I no, think I'd... he was uh, was making fun of racism in a way that was uh, profound. Yeah, I mean, I I, I never. Uh, I mean, I never try to go for anything that's too topical. Like I don't talk about politics on stage or anything like that i try to use stuff from my own life and either make it funny or do a spin on it and here's a story that happened to me that's actually a kind of a, a big joke in my act when i was uh, 22 i worked at a dairy mart uh, in akron and every friday they would ship me down to this one downtown it was i mean it, they would get robbed all day long you know they wouldn't even wait for it to get dark out just coming in put a gun in your face so they would have, you know, four or five of us there at a time, just in case. I don't know what they expected us to do. <laughs> I wasn't going to bum rush anyone with Windex and try to disarm yeah, them or anything. Yeah. But one night, I was cutting bologna for a customer, you know, for, uh, slicing it from the deli. And I don't know if you remember uh, In Living Color. Remember Homie the Clown? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, so the guy comes up to me and he whispers. He goes, here comes Hooky the Clown. And I'm like, what are you? <laughs> and I look over and there's this little woman there with red lipstick on her entire face. Not just the lips, everything from the forehead to the chin, back to the ears. Wait, what? Yeah, covered in, in red lipstick. And she comes up to the guy and offers to fuck him for three slices of bologna. <laughs> what? Yeah. No! Bologna, and not even- No! Not even like, uh, you know, chip chop or, or turkey breast, but just bologna. <laughs> And the guy said, "Okay," and oh, and, and, no! he, and, I'm, I'm, and I was like, "Do you want a Dijon mustard with that or something?" Or just <laughs> going to eat it like that? Which obviously uh, someone is not in the right headspace or whatever to do something what like that is to with begin with. The, uh, lipstick, though, like that's such a move. That I, I, that's such a weird move. I don't know. I is there a thing? I don't know a lot about the kink scene. Like, is there a lipstick on face kink? Uh, I, <laughs> It could be. I'll have to talk to our friends over at the garden. Yeah. See uh, if that's a thing. Yeah. It was, and I would tell that story, and, and, you know, someone would either laugh like you or they would just stare at me, you know, oh, like, yeah, a, like a dog a that's shown a, a card trick. You know, just, nobody would get it. So I had to retool that, and I made it about, I read it in the newspaper. Then later on, I, well, I'm at an Overeaters Anonymous meeting, and I announced that, you know, I'm Bill and I'm, I'm overweight. This woman in the back of the room stands up and says, no shit, to which I say, God damn it, mom. And then I say, sit down, <laughs> eat your bologna. <laughs> the callback. Yeah, so after reworking it, you know, but I always try to base what's going on with or in my act with what has already happened to me. Yeah. I've never been an animal person, you know, but we just got two dogs uh, about two years ago. Uh, and they're not from a shelter. You know, as the big thing is, you know, go to a shelter, rescue a dog. Yeah. Which sounds great on paper, you know. Um, but I, I ended up getting them off Craigslist. And someone really was, was pissed at me about it. And I'm like, look, I got them from Craigslist. Believe me, I saved them. <laughs> I, I rescued them every bit as much as going to a pound and getting them. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's... Uh, my the one dog I have, he's huge, likes to lick his ass. I don't hold it against him. Yeah, dogs, man. They it's do. he. It, what bothers me is that he does it so enthusiastically. 
You Loves know, it. he's like the cookie monster when it comes to eating ass. You know, he's just like, ah, <laughs> nom, nom, nom. B is for butthole. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> he just goes to town. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to get, uh, I had some beagles and they liked to sleep in bed. And uh, they used to get up and give me the AIF, mm. the ass in face, yep. as they steam shoveled the fucking blankets <laughs> off of me. So like for every 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 night, I'd wake up freezing my ass off because the blanket is in a pile at my feet with two beagles under it. Yeah. And uh, then when I, of course, go to move it, they're like, you know, because they're sleeping comfortably and they're annoyed that I'm now... You know, yeah, I mean, it, it must be great to be a dog. I mean, it just looks. I mean, you can sleep all day long. If someone else picks up your own shit after you, you, you know, go yeah. outside, it, I mean, it's got to be great. Yeah, it's a dog's life. Yeah, I definitely want to. Uh, I, I want a dog again. I think everybody went out and got these pandemic dogs, and I feel like there's going to be a lot of fosters now. <laughs> yeah, but although I hear that uh, a lot of those dogs that were, you know, people got during the beginning of the pandemic are being returned. Because now that their life is going back to normal, they don't yeah. have the time. And I mean, that upsets me, uh, you know, a great deal. Yeah, for sure. We were talking earlier about uh, like Mel Brooks and like him being progressive in the 70s and that being different from today. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like, do you do you have any any hot takes on how comedy and entertainment is uh, is telling the story of progress and how to treat people and things like that? Uh Boy, it's hard to say. I mean, there's certainly plenty of examples of not doing that. Yeah. In uh, in current comedy, there was a guy that I, I used to uh, every probably four or five times I worked at uh, or performed at Rock on the Range over there at the soccer stadium. Yeah. Just fantastic show. I mean, you have a big tent with like 600 people in it, and it was just awesome. And I met this guy one night uh, named Tony, and uh, he seemed nice enough, and you know, but then. A couple weeks ago, I see this guy on the stage again. It turns out it's Tony Hinchcliffe. I don't know if you've heard of the name. Yeah, no, that's Went a on, thing. He's a, one of these. I've seen his rant. I, these assholes. First of all, if there's a comedy show anywhere that has titled anything to do with free speech or Second Amendment, or that automatically means uh, they're doing the worst humor possible. Okay. Uh, yeah. They're they're doing everything. They're just edge lord hack bullshit, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's very aggravating, you know. Yeah, right. you have the freedom to say that. You're going to get your ass kicked, and you deserve it. Right. But you have the freedom to say that. Doesn't mean you should. Right. You just shouldn't. Yeah, you can also like stab yourself. Yeah. Like, and, you can do all sorts of things that don't help. Yeah, and, and there's there's no shortage of those guys. You know, like you got the kind of like the Joe Rogan fans that are you know kind of like trying to find that edge and 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 walk on that fence and you know not listen as much yeah i mean joe rogan just went on a big rant about you know if you're a white guy you can't and, and it's just not it's just not true you can you can speak your mind it's just now yeah. people are calling you out on it now you're realizing uh by doing so you're causing a lot of hurt so you can make the conscious decision not to do it right um uh, but i mean for me I, I mean i liked news radio joe rogan for sure. Right up until MMA Joe Rogan. And from then on, I, I just <laughs> I just stopped listening. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind him as a person. I think he means well. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he wants to hurt, like, you know, people that he might run into in life. He's, you know, I think he wants the best for everyone. I think that he's just incredibly problematic and it's more nuanced than I'm willing to uh, spend on 
on him you know i get so like every time i've ever listened to him he'll be like well you know i'm not smart and i don't know things but i'm gonna go ahead and tell you what i think you know and i'm like i don't give a fuck i'd really just have you know your opinion is not that valuable why <laughs> like right. you're putting it out there and comedy so. can be a tool to explore those issues but yeah, if, it's, yeah. if you're doing it by punching down on people yeah you just you just don't need to do it it's not that way anymore we're you know, ideally we're trying to evolve as a society and become better people right. and get more people included in, in, um, in things, whether it's comedy shows or media in general. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, the last four years politically I have done just miracles for people who felt that way because mm -hmm. they saw someone doing it on TV who had the highest office in the land with absolutely no consequences. So now they feel emboldened to do that. Yeah. I, I don't I don't get anybody who attacks anybody because of their their race or or it doesn't make any sense. If someone's an asshole, just don't attack them. You know, you can you live your life without attacking anyone, whether physically yeah. or verbally. You know, I, I can't tell you how many people over the last year either not wearing a mask or wearing their nose sticking out. I, I just wanna I just wanna punch them. Yeah, because you're fucking it up for everybody. Yeah, but I, I just let it go. I did call a guy out at the at the liquor store one day. Yeah, he was with an elderly man that was in a wheelchair. Elderly elderly man in the wheelchair is wearing a mask. He's pushing him around without a mask on, going around the whole store. The store is clearly marked. Everyone else is wearing masks. The guy next to me has two masks on. Right, and he's over there with nothing. Right, and so like I don't know. I just kind of like. He was smaller than me, so I guess I felt comfortable saying something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not confrontational, but, right. like, you know, I, I'm really not. But, like, I just was, like, so annoyed by this, like, brass. You know, I'm like, so, hey, was that – did you make a decision to not wear a mask in here? Yeah. Did you choose not to, or did you forget? I mean, you notice everyone else is. You're the yeah. only one not wearing one. He doesn't say anything. I don't I know give if you picked time. up a paper during the last year, but yeah. Like, you see there's a sign over there. Like, in, but you <laughs> saw it, right? You did right. see it, but you chose not to? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad I don't work retail anymore because I would have been the biggest dick about people not wearing uh, a mask in store. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'd throw them out. I know I would. I, I don't know when we became such a science resistant society it doesn't make any sense it's it's fucking weird man Rand it's Paul fucking weird arguing with with uh fauci i'm like you're an eye doctor and probably a bad one at that oh my god you gosh. don't know anything about viruses at all it's 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 crazy the shit that Rand paul is like saying it's just uh i don't know it's... but then when he had to get that surgery a couple years ago he flew to canada to get it i'm like is that not an indictment on our entire oh medical god. system yeah I mean, it's insane. I think that politicians should be forced to use public services. Yeah, I, I you know, obviously uh, there needs to be term limits on on every office. Anyone running for president should have had a, at least had to be mayor of somewhere. Yeah. No more reality TV people. No matter Tell what you they what, say, man. Like, and and I, I get the argument of like draining the swamp, and uh, you get we don't want a politician. We don't want because politicians are all corrupt. They all know how to play the game, right? Right. We need somebody that's gonna come in there and not do things like the politicians. And that was the whole like angle on Trump, and that's yeah. the whole angle on everybody that that runs like that. Jesse Ventura or fucking yeah, you know, I mean people. It, Trump just ended up making the swamp that much deeper. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the ratio of uh, uh, staff members to jail time is for previous yeah. administrations, but he has the highest. But I mean, we definitely need a viable 
third party in this country. Man, Actually, we need more than three. That's what I was going to say. We need to be more like England with all these parties fighting. Yeah, I mean, Canada has, I don't know, Nuance. like 18 political parties. Yeah. We need something like that. But again, they've been at it so long, they're never going to allow it to happen. Well, yeah, that and it's the machine is built now. Like, it's running. It's a, right. it's a, it's a system, and it's not like... It's not there to allow us to break it up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There's a episode that I refer to often on this subject of This American Life with mm-hmm. Ira Glass. Are you familiar? Yeah. Um, it's called, look this up, everybody listening, if you want to hear something wild, Take the Money and Run for Office is the name of the episode. This American Life with Ira Glass, Take the Money and Run for Office. And before I listen to that and after I listen to that, the two, <laughs> yeah, you know, before I listen to that, I thought one way about the world and the way politics work. And then after that, I realized that Democrats and Republicans are just money making machines. They are. And, and both All sides they do use, is fundraise. Yeah, right. They, they use, you know, uh, gay rights, transgender issues, abortion to fuel both sides. Yeah. It's if, all about fundraising. If you get a Republican up there who's a, a, an actual fiscal conservative who doesn't mention uh, transgender rights, gay rights, uh, abortion. Yeah. I'll listen. Yeah. I will absolutely listen. But those other things don't impact your life at mm-hmm. all unless you happen to be somebody who's gay or transgender. Or needs an abortion. Exactly. Uh, there are all kinds of people who should not be parents. Yeah. I, in fact, probably more than one local comedian should not have kids. Oh, I'm not oh, going to mention oh, any oh, names. Oh, 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 thank you. But I've seen some whose I mean, partner left them, and I thought, thank God for you and that kid, because yeah. that would have been a, a ride straight to the bottom. Well, I, I'm not. I'm definitely not in favor of like getting anywhere near eugenics or any discussion like that. Right. But I definitely, I definitely have the 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 entire abortion debate is so it's so depressing that it's always been a manipulation because it was never an issue before Jerry Falwell and the mm-hmm. uh, and these people like the uh, oh, I can't remember the name of their organization but you know who I'm talking about yeah you talk about like the the PTL and all that the the just no Jerry Falwell's that TV evangelist he started that school oh, uh, whatever uh, school. Falwell University yeah I something think, yeah. some university. Uh, massive conservative he invented the entire abortion debate mm-hmm. like it, it was never an issue except for there was catholics didn't like abortion right but they didn't like condoms either you know yeah like they were against all birth control you know yeah and and somehow Falwell convinced the entire evangelical base that abortion was now an issue that we needed to be worried about yeah and it was all just like a total just a wave caused by this one fucking piece of shit and he is an absolute piece of shit yeah yeah for me it's uh you know back when newt gingrich did the contract with america when clinton was in office yeah uh, ever since then it just feels like the right has become more religious and it's brought them low in my opinion um you know when my son's mother was pregnant with my son you know i I told her i said whatever you decide i'm on board you know i can't I, I didn't know what to think, you know, whether I wanted a, a son or, or not. And she just said, without even thinking, I want to have it. I'm like, okay, great. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that the option was there. Yeah. I'm glad she didn't have one. Yeah. Because my son is fantastic. And, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really lucky. I, I've got nothing to complain about. He's a college student. He's on a dean's list. He's yeah. Yeah, he, fantastic. He doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, no drugs. 
I mean, he's a parent's wet dream. So <laughs> I, I, I'm lucky. Yeah. Uh, or is at least respectful enough to keep that out of your business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to know what's going on behind closed doors. <laughs> but second year of college, I'm not, I'm not dumb. I know, you know, what happens there. <laughs> but yeah, keep it on the DL and keep it wrapped. And that's all I ask. <laughs> but I'm glad the option was there because you need that option. There's yeah, too many people on sure. this planet as it is. Um, it, it has to be a viable option for people because it's not for everybody. Right, right. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes people are ill and they can't get the actual care they need. Uh, my One of my uh, friends that's a woman uh, recently had, and uh, I believe it's called an, an, an topic pregnancy an etopic pregnancy where the egg mm. attaches to the like the, uh, ounce, the fallopian tube fallopian tube yeah. and starts growing in the fallopian tube right and there's just no possible way that that pregnancy will ever be viable okay it yeah. will absolutely end in in the termination of that uh of that fetus right mm -hmm. but it also could kill her if you don't yeah. if you don't do the abortion and it was like now people are trying to say you can't have that procedure because that's an abortion you know it's 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 such a ridiculous argument uh, yeah. I mean, it really is you don't want abortion great so let's talk about your taxes going up because you're gonna have to help subsidize these mothers who can't afford to have these kids if you're not willing to do that then just zip it and just let life proceed the way it's been yeah. going for the last 30 years speaking of uh changes and and time and and how time flies i got a new segment first mm -hmm. ever release of this brand new segment Alrighty. with uh, our good friend Dan Seabree. Uh, yeah, so check this out. It's called It Was a Different Time. Did you know that the legal blood alcohol limit in America was 0.15 until 1963? Well, it was a different time. It was a different time with Dan Seabree. Baseball, mass shootings, bombing other countries for their oil. These are considered to be some of America's favorite pastimes. But I think one that's kind of slid under the radar and has been overlooked recently is actually drunk driving. You know, some people call it the Billy Joel special, the Pittsburgh drive around, whatever you want to call it. Drinking and driving is America's favorite pastime. America's love getting fucked up and going for a drive. Now, the history of drunk driving, or, you know, pulling a Paris Hilton, is about as old as cars themselves. Because when anything revolutionary technologically comes out, there's always one dude that's like, I would love to do that. But shithouse. That would be the greatest moment of my life if I could do that. Now, the first car was invented in 1886, and the first ever taxicab company started June 16th in 1897. Not even three months later, September 10th, taxi driver George Smith was the first person ever arrested for drunk driving after repeatedly slamming his car into a building, trying to pull it out, accidentally putting it back in first gear, and slamming right back into that building. Now, back when America was great, there were hardly any laws, let alone any in regards to drunk driving. So now, in 1900, New York State was the first state to pass any alcohol regulation laws. Now, it was usually just like a small fine. But in 1906, New Jersey passed a law that criminalized drunk driving. Being guilty could net you a $500 fine and up to 60 days in jail. And for 1906, that is not a bad law. That's probably top 10 law at the time, especially considering like shopping on Sundays was illegal. And if you were caught getting your fortune told, you could be thrown in jail for up to 30 days. So all things considered, not a bad law. 
Unfortunately, though, it's still 1906, so the technology to figure out if you're drunk on the road just doesn't really exist. Because, like, this is the same time as those machines with those straps that would wrap around your belly and they would jiggle it back and forth and people thought you might get six-pack abs. So, you know, breathalyzers aren't really here yet. Now, at the time, they used to think, you know, if you were off balance and you couldn't pass a cognition test, that that's how you could figure out you were drunk. But the powers that be figured that that was too subjective of a test, which is surprisingly progressive. But in typical U.S. fashion, the solution that they came up with was much dumber than the original idea. So they figured, hey, if I pull you over and if you can't say Methodist Episcopal without going into a lisp, you're fucking drunk. And, you know, I like where their heads are at. Um, but kind of stupid logic. Like basically they're saying, Hey, anybody can be a klutz, but only a drunk driving sack of shit would ever have a lisp, but they couldn't test for blood alcohol content. So most of these cases never really stuck when they took them to court. Not to mention at this point, cars were basically the same as yachts are now, right? Like there weren't a whole lot of them and only rich people had them. So good luck trying to get a rich person thrown in jail. And then on top of it, prohibition made alcohol illegal from 1920 to 1933. So it wasn't a gigantic problem. Like it definitely still happened, but no one thought it was a big deal. Now, in December of 1933, alcohol was legalized. And within nine months, the death caused by drunk driving quadrupled what they were during prohibition. Which just lets you know poor people cannot handle their liquor. I think that's the main theme of this story. So now, obviously, this wasn't great because cars were way more popular than before. So something had to be done. I mean, obviously, people are going to drink and drive. That's a given. So the trick is to figure out how fucked up is too fucked up. It's the age-old question. So they decided that the required blood alcohol content to be too fucked up is 0.15. Nearly double the legal limit it is now. And just for reference, people start to black out when their blood alcohol content's about 0.13. But how can you test it on the road? You know, because you're going to have to bring them down to the station. You're going to have to get a chemist. It's going to take hours to get the test going. And by the time you get back to the station, if your blood alcohol content's 0.15, when you get back to the station, you're going to be totally sobered up. And if you're not going to be sobered up by the time you get back to the station, you're going to die of alcohol poisoning. So they're not going to catch you either way. Now, in comes some super nerd slash total narc, Rolla Hogger. He's some nerd from Indiana who made a device called the Drunkometer which could read blood alcohol content, and it's simple enough even dumbass cops can use it. Now, the drunkometer was about the size of a large suitcase, and how it worked is you'd sit the driver down on the curb, and then you'd take out a simple party balloon, and then you'd have them blow up that party balloon as best they could, and then you'd attach that party balloon to some tube on top of that suitcase that would push all the air down into these weird beakers and test tubes where there's all these chemicals, and if one of those chemicals turned pink, you were wasted. Now, if a cop gave me a balloon when I was drunk, I would not take it seriously at all. I would be like, oh, so we're going to do balloon animals? Okay, I'm going to try for a doggy, maybe a giraffe, and if I'm feeling it, a kangaroo. I think this might make my night. Now, the drunkometer, though effective, it wasn't really popular. At first, there was only nine manufactured, and they were all just stuck in Indiana, which makes a shitload of sense. I'm from Ohio, so I feel like I can say this confidently. Indiana is the drunkest state I've ever been to. It's a fucking shit show over there. The drunkometer was first used in court was in 1937. Ray Gordon and his wife had some drinks at a fun little house party. You know, they're singing karaoke, kicking in with their friends, and they decided to get out of there. They were driving home, and then one thing led to another, 
and Mr. Gordon had caused a modest four-car pileup in the streets of downtown Indianapolis, sending him and his wife to the hospital. Now, before they got to the hospital, the cops grabbed him and used a drunkometer on him. Both Ray and his wife blew over the legal limit of 0.15, so both were tried in court. The Gordon's lawyer, you know, they were rich people, so they had a good lawyer. He said, hey, this drunkometer, whatever this is, this is nothing more than just a party favor. Couldn't prove that they were actually drunk. Which I like where his head's at. I think he's right. The drunkometer would be a really cool party favor. I would love to receive that at the end of a party. You know, everyone blows into a balloon and whoever turns the chemical pink wins it. I think that's a great idea. This is, this is a great lawyer. When that nerd heard about this, he was like, I'm going to go down to court and I'm going to show these people how it works. And he showed them exactly how it works. He didn't even have to make a balloon animal. It kept their attention. And so... They were found guilty, and the court gave them a $5 fine. And, you know, you got to be thinking, well, obviously, you know, that's over 80 years ago. There's, for inflation, that's going to be so much more. And you're right, for inflation, the fine is actually $92.71, which is crippling for rich people. And the rest is history. All right. Thank you, Dan Seabree, for that informative and, and uh, entertaining that was definitely very uh, Andy Rooney-ish, you know, from like the end of 60 Minutes, he was going a little rant there. Yeah. It was good. It was good. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited about that bit. There's uh, some fun uh, some fun subjects. And it is like, I found myself uh, saying this a lot at work when I'd be like thinking back, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm about to be 40, I'm getting older, and now I actually am comparing my life to people that are half my age and shit that are adults. And uh, I'm finding myself using the phrase, it was a different time, uh, perhaps too often. <laughs> but, oh, like, yeah. you know, when I was coming up, man, we just did not have the same perspective whatsoever. Right. And the last thing I want to do is, because uh, I mean, when you think about it, that's really the whole hook behind MAGA. I want it to be like it used to be, you know, for people who are upset about changes in society and uh, but I don't want to be one of those people. But yeah, there's things that I just don't, you know, like when it comes to, uh, I guess, gender identity. You yeah. Know, uh, I have a couple of friends who are transgender, and I and uh, I find the whole thing's been just a huge learning experience. Oh yeah. But I hear new terms like I'm, and I'm and I'm 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 sort of uh, off the top of my head, but like I'm omni something sexual, and I'm like, what? I I, I don't know what that means. Yeah. And it's. With some people, it almost seems like, well, well, I have to have a term for me because I'm different than everybody else. Yeah, maybe a little. Because I'm sure there certainly are. There's... I mean, it's the same thing with music, right? Like, oh, yeah. Like, but like, there's a lot of sexualities that are being expressed and mm -hmm. uh, kind of identified, you know. But I mean, if you look at like conservative culture and the, you know, the old school, everything was about fitting in. Oh about yeah. About being a part of a monoculture. Sure. Okay. But now as we're discovering, hey, we are different and that's okay. Yeah. We can be different. It actually works pretty cool. You know, it's pretty tight that way. So, yeah, I get that we're like, you know, counting a lot more categories these days, right? Sure. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, and, and, and it's something I wouldn't have seen 10 years ago as being anything other than gay straight or bisexual right for me that, because you know because i have limited experience with it i seem to encompass everything you went with one or other or both or whatever you felt like that day um but i mean the, the whole the last decade has definitely been uh, uh educational and that it's not just one two or three that there are 
probably yeah. infinite varieties of that. Yeah, and people, I think, like, a lot of people that, that maybe didn't grow up with more, uh, like, I grew up with almost no uh, LGBT representation in my life. Mm -hmm. The only way that I experienced uh, homosexuality or queerness of any kind was in a negative context. Oh, yeah, like, a, like a comedy upbringing. or a movie or something like that? Um, Yeah, it was making fun of... The, right. the 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 gay person or whatever like i didn't have like there was uh there was a kid that turned out to be gay that i went to grade school with and some people in my high school that that you know later on came out of the closet and you know i was friends with them and stuff but like i didn't really like you know i didn't have anybody that i loved that was that was actually gay and and when they were in the church and in that environment they were apologizing or or you know getting getting forgiveness for their their homosexuality or their queerness was always just treated like this horrible thing, right? Like it was a disease, and it didn't always used to be that way through world yeah. history. It actually was quite accepted. Exactly. Way, I mean, I mean thousands of thing. years ago, but yeah. It's a fairly new thing. I, you know, I grew up in uh, in Akron, Ohio, uh, which is a medium city, uh, but I, I didn't even know a gay person until yeah. uh, 25. I worked at Cedar Point, and, you know, I met not my first gay, but someone who was living out of the closet and yeah. had no apologies about it. Right. And we became very good friends. Um, yeah. So that's why I feel bad for people who grew up in an environment where that sort of thought is accepted and they never go outside of that little bubble. They never challenge themselves. Yeah. They never meet different kinds of people. Because uh, in the end, you just live a smaller life and you have yeah. a smaller mind and it's it's a waste. It's an yeah. absolute waste. You know, you're absolutely like hit the nail on the head there because a lot of stuff that I was taught when I was uh, in that kind of culture was not to reach too big, mm -hmm. to be satisfied with your lot in life. You know, to right. be to take take joy that the Lord is uh, is taking care of you and just keep paying your tithe. To uh, to quote Ted Knight in uh, Caddyshack, the world needs ditch diggers too. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, you know, um, I, I was never somebody who got drag humor. Like to me, it just seemed to be mocking women. But I had, you know, it's not. Yeah. But my yeah. my stepdaughter sat me down and we've watched the first ten episodes, ten first ten seasons. Yeah. Of RuPaul's Drag Race, and I love it. Yeah. It is fucking great, and yeah. I get it now. I, you know, maybe this is a very sanitized version for the masses i have no idea but it's opening up my mind to yeah and isn't that fucking fantastic it really is that, I mean, that exists that you can now have that experience and like now be ready to you know interact with the with with queens you meet out in in the scene and shit right yeah you're, you're I mean, like now i know what this is about if, uh, if you're, you're a young person and you're gay and you think you're alone you can see something and you just realize yeah. i'm not alone that there are more people like me yeah and, and so it's great but I love it. I love that show, man. I, I mean, we watch it. Yeah. We're coming up on, I guess we're almost current at this point. But RuPaul is just insanely talented and it, <laughs> a marketing genius. Yeah. I know there's an issue like with her and on her land. She has like 60,000 acres of land that she leases out to fracking companies. Okay. Which is awful, you know, but I mean, everyone, everyone does something where they, you kind of fuck up or whatever, but that doesn't yeah. offset the good that she's done yeah. for people who, who like, it's not on black the show. and white, you know, there's like, everybody's on a, on their own spectrum and like picking their, that she could be doing great things in this one particular, you know, battle and maybe not so great on the fracking front. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone has flaws. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but but yeah, it's just I, I I marvel at what my mindset would be now if I hadn't left home, if I hadn't yeah. left my hometown, if I hadn't been exposed to new people and new ideas. And it's so scary to break out of the of that, you know, that system. There's like this ecosystem in a small town in a it's the world rural you know. community. Yeah. So out outside of that, it's the great unknown. You have no idea. Yeah. What's going to happen here? What you're going to run into? Yeah. Will I be homeless next week? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Whatever. Like, especially when you're young and you move out. It's like the Amish when they go on that rumspringer or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, how do you ever go back? I, I, you know, unless you're just terrified Oof. of what you see. I cannot imagine going back to yeah the land of no deodorant and yeah, I mean right. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> Can you imagine though, like being like completely and utterly sheltered, and then going out into the world? It's got to be like walking into fucking uh, the uh, some sci-fi movie, you know, like like uh, Blade Runner or some shit, you know? Yeah, it's almost like uh, you know, like one of those islands that are that are hidden, and they, you know, there's a whole society of people there, and and they, <laughs> you know, like uh. Oh, there was some tribe somewhere, and some guy went. Some some white guy went there to like teach them. Yeah, Christianity. yeah. One of these uncontacted tribes in South America. Exactly, and, yeah. and of course they killed them in no time flat. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Dumbass. you can't. I mean, come on. How did you think anything else yeah. was going to happen? And not to mention, wasn't wasn't there people doing that during the fucking pandemic? Oh yeah, trying yeah. to go and reach out. There's these Christians that are trying to reach out to these uncontacted tribes. It's like. Listen, motherfucker, they're not contacted. They don't understand. Yeah, and they know? don't. They 100% don't have the virus. Don't take it to them. Yeah, I mean, that's right? That's the dumbest we, thing you can do. White people already fucking did this. Yeah. This is old hat for us. Yeah. Fucking Christ. Yeah, we have an unblemished record of fucking things up. Yeah, bringing um, disease to fucking native people. What it, the fuck? Exactly. They got a different worldview, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well... It's been fucking great having you on Lampshade Media Presents Bimbos for Biden, man. Thanks for having me. I mean, I had a lot of fun. Um, I was thinking, you know, your next episode, instead of uh, defund the police, how about defund the band, the police? Lampshade Media Presents defund the band, the police? Yes. How about also? Also, yes. <laughs> yes. How about while you're at it, also defund the band, the police? <laughs> I like it, man. You know, uh, I was afraid you weren't gonna like bimbos for Biden. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't sure. I'm like, I, when you first asked me, I'm like, am I a bimbo? Or I, <laughs> I don't think I am. But yeah, and is bimbos for Biden? Is that a good thing, or, or like, are we reclaiming the bimbo like thing as a as a good word? That's our word kind right. of thing. Yeah. Or uh, like, is it good that bimbos are for Biden, or would only dumb bimbos be for Biden? Like, yeah, a I don't as know. long as Biden. <laughs> It's the guy in charge, and that's fine. Yeah, whoever. You can call me whatever you want. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly how I felt. But anyway, yeah. All right, cool. We got got a new name then. Yeah, I'm I'm into it. Lampshade Media presents. While you're at it, defund the band, the police. (laughs) Love it, love it. What have we learned today, kiddos? Wow, what have we learned? Well, we've learned that uh, Anakin Skywalker has another brother. Good old Briggs. Yes. <laughs> Briggs. <laughs> uh, we've learned about Bimbos for Biden. Yes, yes. That is, uh, I think it's a positive thing, uh, but it just didn't have lasting power. I've been convinced. Right, not like the overarching uh, funding of the band, the police. We also, we also, you know. Learn a little bit about uh, your uh, your love for uh, for nerd culture because you are a you are quite a quite a fan. 
the Marvel, the oh, Star yeah. Trek, yeah. the Star Wars, all, oh, yeah. of, all of the things. Yeah, if it took me away from reality, I was probably a fan of it. Well, it's, uh, yeah, man. We got, we got a lot in, man. I appreciate it, dude. Thank you so much for coming down to the basement and enjoying a cinnamon roll with me. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. Shout out to Lindsay for being such a badass cinnamon roll maker. <laughs> oh, my God. They're amazing. Yeah. So, all right, man. Well, I'll catch you later. Thank Thanks you. Thanks again, man. This program is produced by Lampshade Media. Hosted by Mel Milliman. Music by Tyson Shipman. Graphic design by Griffin Browning. Social media by Sam Welch. Voiceover by Ryan Branch. And a special thank you to our sponsors, Paddy Wagon Food and The Garden. <laughs> <laughs>